0: I got it out of the way in the beginning. (laughs) It could happen. Revelation 14. Then I looked and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their forehead. And I heard a voice from heaven. Like the voice of many waters, and the and like the voice of a loud thunder, and I heard the sound of the harpists playing their harp, and they sang as it was as it were a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures and the elders, and that no one could learn that song except the one hundred and forty-four thousand who were redeemed from the earth, and these are the ones who were not defiled with women. For they are virgins, and they are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And they were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit or guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for the body of Christ, Lord, to come together as your, as your church, Lord. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, this, that is where you are. And so, Lord, we just ask for a, just a fresh insight into your word. Though we may have read it several times and studied it, Lord, but we just want to hear from you again, to be encouraged in this crazy world headed towards this chapter. And so, Lord, thank you again. Again, bless those in children's ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we, we uh, finished our unholy trinity. Remember that? In chapter 13, we learned about the Antichrist. We learned about the false prophet. We learned about the dragon, which was Satan, and that created this unholy trinity, which then brought in that no one could buy or sell without the vaccine report, I mean, the card. I mean, the. do you see how easy it is? And I know I keep saying this, but it's getting that easy for the world to be programmed this way. It's just getting that easy. And so you could not buy or sell without the mark. And so that, we left off that heavy chapter, and then we go into chapter 14 where we see, uh, as we sang three songs about the greatness of God today. And this chapter is going to speak of the greatness of God and the holiness of God, but it was titled, Don't Take That. And it's referring to last week of the mark, and he will bring that back up. And if you're taking note, from chapter 14 on, we are headed towards a huge battle, and that battle is in the valley of Megiddo called Armageddon. And so from this point on, we are in that track. So we are in the last three and a half year period of the tribulation, and we are headed towards that. And again, there's these pauses that happen inside of Revelation. This is one of those pauses behind the scene in this section, and then at the end, and then in the middle, we're going to see these three angels flying around the world. So verse 1 says, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion. Now, This is interesting because this is a foreshadowing of what will come at the end of the tribulation and what it looks like with these 144,000. It says that he was standing on Mount Zion, that's in Jerusalem, and with him was 144,000, having his father's name written on their forehead. These are those Jewish boys who were sealed by God in the beginning of the tribulation, and their role was to become Uh, Jewish Billy Grahams all over the world to bring the gospel message. That's why we see such a harvest coming uh, coming in during this time. A lot of people are giving their life to Christ. Obviously, they're seeing the world literally fall apart all around them. It is freaking everybody out, and yet you have these voices bringing the gospel message. And so what this section of scripture does is it points us to a little bit more information about them, but then what their role ultimately is. And it would seem by the time we get to the end of the tribulation, they have all made their way back to Israel and back to Jerusalem, waiting for their king. Know with me, it says that having his father's name written on their forehead, so Uh, from the, from last week, the mark of the beast, that is a, a, an antichrist mark, right? God has already marked not only his 144,000, but those sealed by God. And so uh, this is just showing us, this is the true mark of God. And it said, I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters and like the voice of a loud thunder. And I heard the sounds of of harps playing with their harps. And they sing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders and that no one could learn that song except for the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. So as they go into and come to Israel, come to Jerusalem, come to Mount Zion there, uh, they are singing this new song. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, I want to learn that song. Uh, no, that's not yours. Where are we, church? We are in heaven. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, we are having a feast with the Lord. Uh, probably Mercy Me is doing some music for us, <laughs> right? Casting Crowns are over here doing another set. Dude, think about all the bands and the music. and uh, this, this, I'm sorry, that's how I think. I think this is going to be awesome that seven-year period of time, which will go over like that because we will be outside of time, by the way. So all of this is happening, and yet this song that these 144,000 young men sings, it goes up to the throne. And I want you to think about this every time we have worship. Now, every once in a while, I have made this mention. I don't mean to shame anybody, but I do, which is, I don't know how you can be a follower of Christ and not sing to Jesus. I don't know how that's possible. I really don't. Well, I don't know the words. They're on the screen. They're huge. I can see them in the back as well. They're online. I encourage you. We will be worshiping God for all eternity. You better get used to it now. The thing about worshiping Jesus now is this, it is knowing who we are and who he is, who we are not, which is the center of the universe. That's what our world teaches us, right? That it's all about us. It's not about us. That's what's awesome about coming in here, sitting down, learning the songs, closing your eyes, lifting up your hands if you're so directed to do that and say, Lord, you have all of my life. Listen, their song, which is being sung in Jerusalem, makes its way to the throne room of God. Isn't that great? When we are worshiping here, that... and I have to be delicate. (laughs) That's why we don't want you to talk when you hit that door. When you come in here and the music is on, we are worshiping and that is going to the throne room of God. So be respectful of that. Turn off your phones. Do everything you can not to disturb your neighbor who is worshiping, and that worship is going to the throne of God. Amen? Okay. <laughs> See? Verse four. Now these are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. And they are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. I, I love that phrase. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes. And they were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And so it describes to us here uh, that they were not the ones defiled with women. Now, this is kind of a, an, an interesting verse because the next after the defilement, it says they're virgins. Okay. Well, we know what that means, right? that they have not had relations uh, with women. All right, everybody got that? That's a technical term in the Bible. So, Paul says that there are times and seasons where he, he recommended to the younger men, listen... If this is what's going on or a season of persecution or what, maybe it's good that you stay single because if you had a wife, then you would be concerned about whether or not she would be persecuted or not. You really couldn't do what you were called to do. Now, listen, if we had all listened to Paul back then, there would be no church. Everybody got that? So Paul was right and then he was not so right. His point was, there are times where God is calling certain individuals to do that, to be single. That's why the Bible says, it is a calling from the Holy Spirit to be single. And Paul says, says if you you don't have that calling and you have that burning, well, better to uh, be married than burn in hell with lust. So, I know that was a little perky. But... Notice this, he says, the ones who are not defiled with women. Now, nowhere in the Bible where it says that women defile men. So it's, it's like, well, I don't get that because the, the marriage bed is undefiled. So if he's not talking about sex or relationship between a man and woman, what is he talking about with these 144,000? Did anyone read ahead and go, I don't get that? Or is it just me? That's all right. That's what I'm here for, <laughs> to go, whoa, that's kind of weird. Well, uh, I was listening to a, 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 bu- a bunch of different pastors, uh, and one of them I really trust. He said, let's read verse 8. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, the great city, because she has made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication." So it could very well be what the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to us about these young men is that they are not defiled by the world system. Everybody got that? They probably don't have a social media account. (laughs) Oh, I'm the only one who thought that was funny. Come on. Come on, man. There you go. That's how we're doing it right there. Anytime you're going down, I'm going to bring that one out. (laughs) Lord, forgive me, (laughs) for I know not what I do. (laughs) For these are the ones who are not defiled with women. So this this world system. Now, when we get to Babylon, we're just going to mention it today a little bit, but future chapters are going to go into detail of what this Babylon system is. It is a world system. This world system has been around from day one. This world system that is anti-God and anti-Christ and wants to focus you upon yourself and your lusts and your desires rather than the things of God. And so they're uh, not involved with that. But it says these are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever, wherever the Lamb is telling these young men to go, that's where they go. And he, I, I want to make shirts that say that. I follow the Lamb wherever He goes. It is a great title For a believer, can I ask you today, are you following the Lamb wherever He goes? Or are you like many of us who say, Come on, Lord, follow me? I know where I'm going. We often do that. We often run ahead of God. And I don't know about you, but that's a very bad place to be in. (laughs) Because then I look around and it's like crickets. Where did He go? And they were redeemed. Notice from among men. That means they were pulled out from them and set them apart. Why? They were the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And out of their mouth found no deceit. Now, last chapter was filled with deceit and lies. Remember that? Great blasphemies and great swelling words and the Antichrist and the false prophet lying to the world, deceiving the world. And yet these young men, you could walk up to them and talk to them and they would tell you exactly what's happening. And we're going to see what, their, uh, what the message is in a minute. It says, and they're, and they're without fault before the throne of God. Verse 6. And we're going to read this section, then we'll come back. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And a third angel followed and said with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night, who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patient of the saints, Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Write, for blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works will follow them. So these three angels are now flying around. Uh, Please note with me, uh, the different angels and their different roles and their different messages. And we'll talk about each one of them. The first one there in verse 6 is flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those earth dwellers, there's that phrase again, to every tribe, every nation, and every people. So when did this a- a- angel start flying around? It doesn't say. Um, when we get to that third angel about the mark, obviously he's going to say that before it's implemented so that people will know. Everybody got that? I happen to think that these three have been flying around the entire time getting people ready because not only do we have 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams going around, we've got one big voice, this angel telling people about Jesus. What kind of Bible study is this guy giving? What is the message that he is giving? It is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. No matter what you've done before, God loves you. God wants you to be with him and not with the devil. It's a simple message, isn't it? We tend to complicate the gospel, it's not complicated. Are you ready? Here it is. You're a dirty, rotten sinner. That's not very seeker friendly. Hmm. See, when you know who you are, that there is no good in you, there is no one good, no, not one, the Bible says, well, you don't know me, I'm pretty good. No, you're not. Isn't that heavy to know that? But the more you know who you are, the better it is and easier it is to accept Jesus Christ because he is good. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And because I have failed, because I am a sinner, there must bridge a gap between that, and that is the cross. And so coming to Jesus, coming to him and knowing that, Lord, I am but a sinful. What did Peter say? Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Man, just have Pete's heart. Well, I don't know what to say. You're listening to us on the radio right now. I, I don't know about that sinner's prayer. This is it. Ready? Lord, I'm a sinner. You're God, you created the heavens and the earth, and you want a relationship with me. Please come inside of my heart. Amen. You're saved. Isn't that great? You could do that right now, or at the end of the message, come up, get saved. Pray with somebody. We'd love to give you a Bible, head you in the right direction. On our radio ministry, uh, we have at the end of it, if you would like a Bible, we'll send you a Bible. Guys, this church sends Bibles all across this country when people request them. The everlasting gospel, notice it goes to every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and every people. There is not anybody on planet earth who will not have heard the gospel during the tribulation period. Everyone would have heard it, which means they have a choice. They can either accept this message or they can go to choice number two, door number two, which is Antichrist, and then we'll see an angel is going to say, well, don't choose that door. Notice how this angel tells us uh, to respond in, well, in our response to God. He says with a loud voice, fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of the water. Let me uh, start with the end of that verse, and then I'll go backwards. Good. Notice how creation is at the message of the gospel. It is important to believe that God created this planet and that he didn't just set this big bang in motion and then decided to take a 6,000-year holiday. I'll just let her go. But people believe that, and churches teach that. Deist evolution. He just set it in motion. I know that we want to be this people today who are all about science, right? If I hear about let's follow the science one more time, I'm going to freak out and start playing some videos, if there were videos from 1900 who told us science told us not to wash or to bathe. Do you remember that? Pastor, we're not that old. All right. (laughs) There was a time when science and the medical community said washing your body was harmful to you. We got over that, didn't we? Aren't you glad there were other people saying, are you kidding me? Soap isn't going to kill you. It's going to clean you. Your hands are not going to transmit viruses to other people. Do you know that when they did surgeries, they didn't clean the instruments? They just went from one to one to one. It was like, well, what do you expect? And then some, someone's like, that probably doesn't, that doesn't sound probably good. We should, we should clean those and boil them and sterilize them. And what happened? Infection rate went down. But everybody was sure that's what we were supposed to do. Just like evolution. Everybody is sure that's what it is. And when you take God out of the equation, you must put something in its place. Because nature hates a void. (laughs) So you have to put something in its place. Well, what's better than coming from a monkey? I mean, we kind of look like them. Right? We're only one genome away from a whatever, but that one little piece is huge. Charles Darwin, when he said simple cells are not simple cells, in fact, they are the most complex. Uh, when we get to Genesis, some years from now, <laughs> we'll get into what a simple cell really is. It's not simple at all, it's very complex. And so creation is part of the message. Boy, we got a lot of videos and books on creation. There are, I mean, go to the Creation Museum. Go to the Ark. You'll love that. Henry Morris and his group out in California, there are so many biblically-based creation ministries, and they are just so right on. And so creation evangelism is very important. To let people know that they are not a mistake and that God created them for a purpose and he loves them. Think about the message they hear in school, that they are a happenstance and that they came from ooze and rock and monkeys. That is no way to raise, some, uh, raise a child up and tell them they have purpose and have a plan and that they are special. If you're a mistake, how are you special? But the Bible says that God created all things. Notice, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the springs of water. But notice these three things the angel tells them on planet Earth, but also very good for us, three things, underline them, highlight them. Number one, fear God. Why is, bless you, why is the planet in the state that it's in now and what, why is it going to be what it will be in the tribulation? Lack of the fear of God. And the idea is a reverence of God. Anybody raised in the 50s in the room? All right, good, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Um, back then... of the country believed in God and were in some form going to a quote-unquote religious establishment. That's a huge number, isn't it? Do you know what it is today? 30%. Now, that's a quote-unquote religious. Now, take out some of the fluff and junk or whatever, you might get 5% of people actually doing... What we are doing, this, and listen, what we are doing is not playing church. We're reading our Bibles and we're studying about the creator. This is different than what other churches are doing. Sometimes it's not perky, right? (laughs) Sometimes it's not, maybe you come out, you're like, "Whoa, Corinthians hurts. (laughs) Yes. And so we're doing something a little bit different. We're learning about the God that we will be with for eternity. Fearing God is a respect of God. It's a respect for the institution of the church. And I don't mean in the Roman Catholic view of the church or the Eastern Orthodox view of the church. What I mean is his bride, having a respect for that. And let me add something to that. All right, we might go a little over. That means if you're doing a ministry in God's church, take it seriously. Don't flake. You serve God when you're serving in a ministry, no matter what that ministry is, children's ministry, parking lot ministry, seniors ministry, you take it seriously because you're serving him. You're not serving me. I mean, I'm thankful that you do it, but you're not serving me. You're serving the king. He will say to you, well done good and faithful servant. I'm not going to say it, and you don't want me to say it. By the way, Jesus wanted me to let you know, well done, buddy. (laughs) Isn't there a little bit more of that? Yeah, but I'm just i too tired to say the whole thing. (laughs) Don't you want to hear it from Jesus? And he will say to you, thank you for being in that toddler room. Thank you for doing VBS. Thank you for going to that seniors ministry. Thank you for giving a cup of cold water in my name. We must have a reverence of God, something that we have lost in the church, and the world has lost it, and our country has lost it, i.e. where we are today. So that's number one, fear God. Number two, give glory to Him. Now, in our country, it it should be better read, give glory to me, to you. It's all about you in the church, what the church can do for you. Well, I don't like that church because they don't meet every single one of my needs. Give glory to him because it's due his name and what he did for us. Guys, when you get to heaven, listen. Listen you're going to go, this is way better than Pastor Ron said. (laughs) It's going to blow your mind what it's going to be. And listen, I'm not saying there's regret, but if I said that there would be like, I wish I would have praised God and given more glory on planet Earth. Do you see the point? Do it now. We're going to do it then, but do it now so other people can see what God is doing in your life. We saw that in the Psalms on Wednesday night declaring the greatness of God to those around us. So give glory to him. Notice, for the hour of his judgment has come. The third one isn't yet. The third one's worship him, but let me uh, make mention of this judgment. I got to get going here. This is something that the church is lacking in teaching, the judgment of God. Now, I am not a firm believer in just camping out, and there's, I'm gonna do an 18 week study on the judgment of God. No one would come in the third week. We're like, that's it. But it is the judgment of God is coming upon this planet for rejecting not only its Christ Jesus, but also how it dealt with Israel. Oh, there's some countries gonna be hurting, some nations that have to answer for what they did to Israel. And I'm not talking about Germany. I'm talking about modern nations, even the United States. So, His judgment is coming. Part of the gospel message is that God loves you, yes. He died for you. When you become a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells inside you, gives you gifts. These are great but part of the gospel is judgment is coming. And you don't want to have, as we see in a minute, the wrath of God poured upon full measure, the cup of God's wrath. I don't want that, anyone? So part of sharing, and this is where some of the, the breakdown of the gospel message happens at church, because we fail to mention the judgment of God, and that it's real, and that he is a holy God. It's coming. The third one there in verse 7 is worship him. So these three are fear God, give glory to him, and worship him. That means, if you've been here at Calvary, you know what this word means, but if you don't write it in your Bible, it means press into. That means draw close to. So, as we come into worship, uh, as Pat was mentioning about giving, giving is part of pressing into God. It's not just about what I have, Lord. You you, you have allowed me to have a job. Does everybody know that? You have a job because God has given you a job. We all want to think we're all special and smart, (laughs) it is only by God's grace. And his mercy upon us that we are even bringing in a paycheck. All right. I had a, just a moment, a crack to go somewhere, but I'm going to stay here. Well, another angel followed. Guys, think about that first angel, how powerful that message is. And, and what would it be like if you were just getting coming out of a burger place and you hear and see? said angel flying and with this giant voice and how so many people will go I've seen that before (laughs) and then this second one is right behind him and what does he say Babylon is fallen is fallen that great city because she has made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication now We will not camp here at Babylon. We'll get to Babylon later. But for our purposes just this morning, please note that it is the world system. There is a world system, and it's the world system without God. So, (laughs) the system that's running right now, trying to control everything, that's the Babylon system. They may not call that on the evening news But that's what it is. It is a system that's been around since Babylon, since Genesis. Third angel followed. Saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or on their hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out Listen, full strength into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, in the presence of the Lamb. Now, I, I really want to get to this, through this chapter, but th- there's some stuff here about eternal hell that people need to know. And people need to know it inside of the church. Doesn't mean we do, again, an 18-week study on hell means we mention it when we go through Scripture. And so, he says to anyone who receives the mark, which tells us that this angel is flying around before the mark is implemented or right when it's implemented, so no one will be able to say, I didn't know. No one's going to be tricked into getting the mark, all right? If you weren't here last week, let's do it again, church. Are we here? No. So if they say, hey, we're going to implement this thing, put it on your right hand, and you'll be able to to go through any airport, uh, you know, the TSA pre-check, you'll get your credit card on your hand, we'll be able to monitor your vitals. That is not the mark. The mark is an allegiance to Satan, and everyone will know what they are doing. No one's going to be tricked into this. No one's going to (laughs) be forced into it, even though our Uh, Even though Cuomo said we should drive and pick people up and then take them somewhere and jab it into their arm. These are the leaders that we're working in this Babylon system, getting everybody ready. Verse 10. And he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. So... The Bible says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. It never says it was created for mankind. God sends nobody to hell. They send themselves. And this section of scripture tells us that, listen, there's no angel flying around right now, right? At least I haven't seen one lately. And... The, the way that people are hearing about the gospel is through the church primarily. But when we're gone, the church will be gone. And it will only be individual believers. There'll be a little pockets here and there, but it won't be like what we know today. And so they, that uh, God needs to bring this message to uh, the worldwide planet and to every tongue and every nation. And so they will know that. It says, that they shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. So whoever takes this mark, they'll know what they're doing, and the angel will tell them, you're going to burn in hell because you're taking that. How heavy is, how hard heart do you have to be to hear a choice, Jesus or hell? And how many millions and millions will choose hell? You know what they say, well, I'll be partying with my friends. No, you won't, because as we're going to, well, we'll see a little bit here, but the Bible tells us very clearly there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That doesn't sound like a party. There's outer darkness where the worm dieth not, where there is darkness that you feel the pain from the darkness. But it's interesting here it says they shall be tormented D- does anybody know what tormented means let me let me give you a foreshadowing of, of uh, tormented um, up at Arrowwood we have had some uh, devil yellow jackets or wasps around they're from the pitafhel <laughs> and my daughter Rachel she got uh, <laughs> nailed with one and her body, her poor body, didn't like that. We had to take her to the emergency room there in Spartanburg. Um, and, but but for, right before that, I was on the mower and in the middle of somewhere and, and was attacked by evil. And I got one on my, my hand and a couple on my knee. And I got to tell you, I'm 50. I know it's shocking. But I have never felt pain like that. Like anybody have a hot needle ever stick into your body? Just keep doing it. That's what it felt like. And then we were in the emergency room, you know, and she was getting the medication. I wasn't. I was like, can someone help dad? <laughs> I mean, it was all swollen, swollen here. It was itchy, right? It just stinks. And it was like that for an entire week. And Just for that moment, I thought to myself, this is a wasp or a yellow jacket bite. This isn't even eternity. Gives you all perspective, doesn't it? Like this is very painful. And this uh, little bit. It says they will be tormented with fire and brimstone. Now, this is interesting because this is the first area it's mentioned in the Bible in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of Jesus, of the Lamb. You know what hell is? It's all of those, but hell is seeing perfection and love and knowing that you rejected that love. It doesn't say that we will see it, but the fact that they will be able to see God's holy angels and Christ that's hell. I chose not love. I chose myself over that which was greater. It says, and the smoke of their torment ascends how long, people? Yes. Forever and ever. This is not soul sleep. This is not annihilation theory. Seven-day Adventists teach the annihilation theory, which means those who did not accept God just cease to exist. That's not biblical, and that's not here. There is no annihilation theory. This is forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Now, break. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works which follow them. So these are the tribulation saints, and God gives them some encouragement. He says, from this point on, that three-and-a-half-year period, and when this gets going, then they will pretty much all die in the name of the Lord. Last section, verse 14. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And on that cloud sat one like the Son of Man, that's Jesus, having his having on his head a gold crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of of the earth is ripe. And so he who sat on the cloud thrust his sickle into the earth, I'm sorry, on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had the power over fire, and he cried out with a loud voice who had a sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully, fully ripe. And so the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside of the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridle for 1,600 furlongs or about 180 miles. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? We're like, what? Now I'm going to have these nightmares tonight. Okay, the harvest of the earth. This chapter, again, is a pause. It's a behind the scenes of what's happening. This is what's going to happen at the end of the tribulation. So he's giving us this image of harvesting. Uh, reaping and sowing is a principle inside of the Bible. What you, re- what you sow to, you will ultimately reap right? If you reap to the flesh, you will get corruption. But if you are, did I say that? If I sow to the flesh, I'm going to reap corruption. I'll get it. If I sow to the things of the spirit, then I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to walk in the, in the spirit. And so he, he, he shows us this image of Jesus with a crown on his head and in his hand had a sharp sickle. You know, these are the images we don't show our kids in children's ministry. You know that flannel graph with Jesus and the lamb? I want to see this one. Jesus with the sickle. You see, we oftentimes sanitize Jesus. He's the lamb, He's love. He is all of that. But at the end, He's also going to have a sword that comes out of His mouth. He is going to judge. He's going <laughs> to, oh. We'll get to that. i got to stay on track. So with this angel that comes out of the temple crying out, verse 15, with a loud voice through the one who sat on the cloud, thrust your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Now the interesting thing about this word ripe in the Greek, it means overripe, which means it's well done. You see, God does not measure the morality of planet Earth in the way that we measure it. He measures it by how ripe it is. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jesus, it's ripe. Come on. But he, he would say, nope, it's not, it's not well done yet. It's not ready for me to take it all. And when Jesus comes, and when these angels come, that's it. Now, this will point us more towards the, the Battle of Armageddon because when Jesus puts his foot on the Mount of Olives, it splits it in two, and the armies of the Antichrist are rallying to... Think about the, think about the world and all their armies and all their tanks and all their planes, and they, they're fighting each other, and at one point they stop and they say, oh, there he is, there's the lamb, there's the son of man, let's go get him, and they all turn their attention, and Jesus just says go. And here comes the sickle. And now you see this blood that goes to the horse's bridle. Rachel, how tall is that? Five feet, three feet, four feet, what? Four feet? She's, a, she's my horse girl. Four feet? Four feet times and then spread that out 180 miles. That's a lot of blood, isn't it? There's also going to be 200 million soldiers during this battle. Whatever it is, it's going to be huge. Are we here, church? No. Good. Although we're close to being here, we'll be riding on, remember, white horses. Don't fall off, please. (laughs) So the one who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle onto the earth, and the earth was reaped, which means once it's done, there's no more. Everybody got that? Once you reap it, it's that the harvest is done. And the idea is that mankind is done. Now, we have a redeemed body. We have a transformed body. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what we're going to be able to do. But the idea that we know is mankind on this third rock from the sun is done. And whatever that form is, Jesus is going to... Now, in the thousand-year reign, it's a whole, whole different thing. We'll get into that. Forced righteousness It won't be like it is today. So, different. Um, 18. Yeah. And another angel came out from the altar who had had the power over fire. And and by the way, this is calm compared to what we're getting to in the next couple of chapters with the bold judgments. This is like romper room. And if you know what I just said, you get a cookie. (laughs) Romper room. That's old. All right. (laughs) He who had the power over fire, he cried out with a loud voice and had a sharp sickle saying, thrust in your sharp sickle. These are tough to read. And to gather the clusters of the vine on the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. And again, the idea is it's over ripe. And so the angel thrust in his sickle to the earth, gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside of the city and the blood came up to the winepress, up to the uh, horse's bridle for about 180 miles. Read ahead next week, Lord willing. We're going to get into chapter 15 and a little bit of 16. We're tying those together, but we are about to see the last of God's uh, judgment poured upon this world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and Lord, we thank you for the everlasting gospel. Lord, we d- I just pray that we would be a people that would fear you, give glory to your name and worship you. And let everyone know that judgment is coming upon this world and that you love them so much that you sent your only begotten son. And so, Lord, let us trust in you for not only salvation but for eternity. Thank you again, Lord, for those serving. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.